Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is everything you need for tips, tricks, and things to just be generally awesome. I'm your host, Amanda. And I'm your host, Claire. And this is RDH Bites. All right, everyone. Well, this is Claire. And today I have a guest from West Coast University. I've I've been talking to this lady for a while. I respect her very much for all the things she's been doing in the industry, all the education she has done for the students. A very long career as a clinician and also as an educator. And she is continuing with also her doctorate degree at Grand Canyon University. Help me welcome April Turner, Associate Professor at West Coast University. Thank you, Claire. It's nice to see you. Yes, yes. I know you have been a student's champion at the school, helping them pass, well, not just clinic or classes, but also the national board exam, right? Correct. My title is national board success manager, which I don't know if there's any others of those in other schools around the country. It's one of those things that my awesome dean fought for, and now I get to help all of our students get ready for their national board. Great. Definitely one-of-a-kind position. That means you are committed. That means April knows what's up with the board as well. And today you brought a topic that we all need to know. What is it? It is radiology and specifically Where do x-rays come from? (laughs) That's a little bit daunting sometimes for students to understand. So that's what I brought for you today. Great. It almost sounds like a book title. Where do x-rays come from? In a easy to understand format. April will walk you through the entire process so you can actually visualize it in your head so you won't miss a beat when you are in the examination. So, well, let's start with, is there a reason why you wanted to choose that topic, April? Well, besides that it's a bit challenging to understand, and I also know that, you know, many of our patients are a little nervous about radiographs sometimes. So understanding how x-rays are produced and some of the safety mechanisms that are in place will help us to keep our patients safe and be able to communicate with them Mm -hmm. the importance of the images. Right. So it's also how to explain to your patient about x-rays. And there we go. We're going to learn A to Z how those invisible things are produced. Right. Yes. So you probably seen patients who did not want x-rays, right? Did you have that experience in your career? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, we all know that a lot of times they're afraid. They think that the x-rays are going to harm them. So, you know, we all know that we need to have those images taken for us to provide appropriate care. And so our ability to explain how the x-rays are produced and some of the safety steps that we can take will help our patients trust our recommendations if we can have that conversation. So while we think it doesn't matter that we understand the physics of x-ray production, and that can be kind of a scary thing, physics of x-ray production, Being able to clearly explain this and the patient safety measures that are in the tube head, you know, will help with patient acceptance too. All right. So what is an x-ray? What is the definition? Well, x-rays are part of the electromagnetic spectrum and the parts of the spectrum are laid out by their wavelengths. So the electromagnetic spectrum has many aspects we are familiar with in our daily lives. So if you imagine kind of a line right on the left side, on one end are radio waves and microwaves, which have longer wavelengths, and Mm -hmm. that means they're less penetrating. And then the visible light, that's the only part of it we can see with our eyes. Visible light sits in the middle 
And then x-rays and gamma rays are on the other side, on the right side, because they have shorter wavelengths. Okay. And so the shorter wavelengths are more penetrating, which is why, like, if you think about things on the left side, the radio waves and even visible light, they can't penetrate through things, right? Like people or materials. You know, if you think about you're listening to the radio and you drive under a bridge or through a tunnel, you lose the signal because it's not penetrating. But mm-hmm. x-rays are penetrating. Okay, so just to recap on the left side, we have those long wavelengths not penetrating, such as radio, your TV Mm -hmm. remote control, your microwave. In the Mm -hmm. middle, we have light, like sunlight. Is that what you're talking Mm -hmm. about? Okay. And are you turn on a light bulb and you can see that it's visible Mm -hmm. light. Yes. All right. And then towards the right side are the short wavelengths, short or penetrating. I know sometimes this concept itself can be confusing, but if you think about it, I think if they're short cycles, that means there's a lot of them coming at you. That means kind of it's, it's powerful. It's like a lot of them. Yes. So I just visualize yes. it that, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. that way. And then there are the x-rays, also gamma rays and some other things. Great. You know, I think when I, I think about x-rays, I also get the notion that patients especially will say, well, that's not good for me. Is there a way we can tell them that actually it's normal? It's like, it's part of our spectrum. It's part of our world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, definitely, you know, explaining to them that they, you know, sometimes patients will say, and I'm sure you've heard this, I'm in a glow in the dark, right? Mm-hmm. But we all know that that's not true. And so kind of an understanding of where x-rays sit in the spectrum, you know, on the same spectrum as light and radio waves, and they're just more penetrating, may help us explain that to patients better. All right. And we live around them every single mm-hmm. day. Like I'm sitting right here in a room. There is a light bulb ahead of me. I'm getting some rays over here as well. So right. nothing different. They also say like, you know, when you take a air flight from, let's say, New York to L.A., you know, that amount of radiation you get is like much, much, much more than a dental exactly. or x-rays would get. Yes. Just, you know, going out to the beach or sitting outside for a while will give you some radiation as well. So let's talk about now how those x-rays are produced. So where does the story start? Yes. And this is the story. You know, when I teach this to my students, we call it the story of x-ray production. So x-rays are produced inside a tube, x-ray tube that's inside the head of the machine. So that tube is really small and contains the cathode and the anode, along with step up and step down transformers. If you think about, you know, you have your patient, you've sat them in the chair, you're getting ready to take some radiographs. And the first thing you do is you turn on the machine to get ready. When you turn on the machine, the current from the wall, you know, the machine is plugged into the wall. The current from the wall goes to the step down transformer. Mm -hmm. And that transformer heats up the filament on the cathode. Mm -hmm. So we'll need to stop for a moment and talk about the cathode because I'm sure everybody's like, wait, (laughs) slow down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's a good idea. Um, Yes. So the cathode has the focusing cup and the tungsten filament. So the focusing cup, if you think cathode cup, it's kind of like a little C shape as well. And in the middle of the C is a filament made of tungsten Mm -hmm. and that has a negative charge. So when the voltage comes into the machine from the wall, it's too high 
and it needs to be lowered. Otherwise, it would blow up the filament and blow up the cathode. So we got to lower that voltage. So that's what the step down transformer is doing. It's lowering the voltage from the wall to three to five volts. And that voltage heats that filament up and causes the electrons to kind of pop off. And they all kind of hang out around the filament. They're just kind of hovering there and creating what's called an electron cloud. So picture a little cloud full of all those little dots of electrons. And that is the MA setting. So you're, you know, one of the settings on our machine is MA, milliampere, and that equals amount. So I think MA, amount of electrons, Mm -hmm. which is also the amount or quantity of x-rays that are produced. Mm -hmm. So those electrons are just sitting there hanging out, waiting for Mm -hmm. you to start your process, right? Okay. All right. And I actually, thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, you need to step down because what we have on the wall, if you look at your electronics or what it says, it says something like 220 or something. And just like April said, yeah, you don't want to blow this machine up. So they thought <laughs> this through already. <laughs> They're controlling yes. the amount of electrons around there. And then, so now I understand we have a cloud. Now what happens with that? Yes. No. So now that cloud is just hanging out. And so you're going to place your film or place your sensor in the patient's mouth. You're going to align the PID position indicating device. And here you go. You you know get that all ready and then you press the exposure button. Mm-hmm. So then what happens next is we need a ton of voltage this time. We need a lot of voltage, more than what's coming in from the wall. So the step up transformer increases the voltage to 60 to 100 kilovolts, Mm -hmm. which causes that cloud of electrons to shoot across and hit the target on the anode. And so, by the way, this speed setting is our KVP, the Mm -hmm. kilovolt peak, which is the setting that gives the penetrating power of the x-rays. So let's stop again. We'll talk about the anode. Don't worry. (laughs) Here we go. So the anode has the tungsten target or the focal spot. You'll Mm -hmm. see in the tube, both pieces have tungsten. So tungsten plays a big role in the production of Mm x-rays, right? The filament's made of tungsten and the target is made of tungsten. So on the anode is the tungsten target. It's Mm -hmm. also referred to as the focal spot. They're the same thing. And then the anode also has a copper stem, And it's a positive charge. Mm -hmm. So when the electrons shoot across and hit the target, all that energy that's created is stopped at the target and x-rays are produced. And along with that is a lot of heat. So 99% of the energy produced is heat and only 1% is x-rays. So the purpose of that copper stem is to absorb all that heat as well as there is oil inside, you know, your machine that helps absorb the heat so that when you actually touch the machine, it's not hot, right? So you've got nine, lots and lots of heat produced and 1% x-rays. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. It's really the majority and almost 100% of it. We just get right. a fraction of what you we actually need. It just makes me think about maybe like oil as well. I don't really know exactly how oil is drilled, but I heard there's a lot of sand or other things that, you know, 
that right. are waste. With it, yes. Yeah, <laughs> you just get a little bit of oil or I don't know if you go gold. Uh, I don't know if you went to mm-hmm. the river ever trying to catch some gold. I guess this is yes. the same concept. <laughs> you get a lot uh, of rocks and only yeah. a little bit of gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also I had a conversation just related to that with an engineer recently. And he was saying, you know, those you know wires we have outside, you know, they, they transport right. electricity. Yeah. And all of that, they lose a lot of heat by doing so. You're losing a lot of electricity as well. So what anything we do in life, you know, it's not a hundred percent transfer to one place to another. There's right. always some loss occurring. So, okay. Right. So now we have Lots gathered that one percent, April. Yes. One percent X-rays. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So once those electrons hit the target and we've got that one percent of X-rays, they're going to flow out of the tube. The tube has a little window mm-hmm. and out through the PID to expose mm-hmm. the film or the sensor. And as they flow out, they pass through two things, the collimator and the filter. So first, the collimator. The collimator is made of lead and it reduces the size of the beam. It looks like a little lead donut. It's like a a big circle with a little hole that reduces the size of the beam. If it wasn't there, the x-rays would just spray everywhere. And so this focuses the beam right to where you want it to hit the face of the patient, and it makes it safer for the patient because only a focused beam hits their face and their teeth. And then the filter is made of aluminum, and it does just what the name says. It filters out certain x-rays. So we only want the penetrating x-rays to hit the patient, since those are the only ones that will give us a good image. Remember when we talked about wavelengths and radio waves not being able to penetrate through things? That's the long wavelength ones. They're not very powerful. They can't penetrate through things very well. So we only want the short wavelength x-rays to come out through the PID because those will be able to penetrate the patient's face and penetrate the patient's bones and teeth and expose the film or the sensor. Those long wavelength ones, they'll come out and hit the patient's face if we don't get rid of them and expose their skin, but are not powerful enough to penetrate through. Mm -hmm. So the filter also is a safety measure for the patient, and it filters out those long wavelengths that are just going to expose them and not actually do any good for giving us a good image. And when we, well, press that button, when we have all of this coming, the electrons rushing to the other side, to the anode, you're saying that we get 1% of what we actually want, heat happens, Mm -hmm. but we also get a lot of other type of wavelengths that we do not want. Is that what happens? Correct. And yes, we get just all kinds of wavelengths and they want to just spray out in a big spray. So the collimator is going to focus that spray. Like if you had a hose and you were just focused, you know, like if you think about your air water syringe, you can just focus it on where you want it. And we only want the short wavelength penetrating x-rays. So we have both of those pieces in there to, you know, give us exactly the right x-rays that we need without giving the patient too much exposure. All right. So I'm trying to think um, visually in my head, there are two mechanisms to focus on what we want is the collimator, which is more like the shape. We are kind of just focusing them like a hose that you said. And then we have also the filter that literally is just going to sift through 
things that you do not want and allow right. only the ones. Not that when once things come out, you only literally get what you want. There still will be other things mixed in the bag that that's why we wear, you know, protective um, right. wear, <laughs> late apron and all that. Exactly. So, you know, those, we're still exposing the patient to radiation, but now we have really limited the exact radiation that we need to get a good image. But of course, we still need to protect the patient. We still need to be, take good images. So we avoid retakes, only take the images that we need, that kind of thing. But this is just one piece of the patient Mm -hmm. protection picture for, you know, taking radiographs. Wonderful. In the PID and collimator, though, there are also different sizes or different shapes as well, according to what we want to do? Well, there are different sizes of PIDs and collimators. There is a round PID and a rectangular PID. The round PID, the opening is round as well in the collimator, and that's 2.75 inches in diameter. And then the rectangular collimator is a little smaller. It's in the shape of a rectangle and it's a little bit larger than a size two, like the standard size two film. So that's going to give less exposure. And also there are short and long PIDs. So a long PID with a rectangular collimator is going to give the patient the least amount of exposure. It is a little bit more challenging to take images with because you have a smaller collimator. You have to be really good about not getting your cone cuts, but... As far as reducing patient exposure, the best for that is a long PID with a rectangular collimator. All right. Thank you. And I can only imagine how much more difficult it is to get a good (laughs) image right there where you want because your your surface area has been reduced by a lot. Yeah. So, hey, if you can get to that level, that is awesome for you and the patient as well. Because also what happens, you know, at the end is that those x-rays, they they come out and they also bounce off our tissues or or things around the room or any object. And those become things that they are create fogging, they create extra exposure. So the less, the better in this case. The less, the better. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So I want to ask you any tip you want to share to our students of how to remember these things or things that are actually important. Yes. I have a memory trick that I use when I'm trying to remember, yes, the charges of the cathode and anode and to remember which way things flow. So I use C minus to A plus. So in school, you want your grades to go from a C minus to an A plus, not the other way around, right? So the cathode is negative, which is Mm -hmm. C minus, Mm -hmm. and the anode is positive, which is Mm -hmm. A plus. So the X, the electrons flow from the C minus, from the negative cathode to the A plus, the positive anode. And then another memory trick I add on to that is... If you go from that C minus to an A plus, maybe, you know, when you were a little kid, your parents gave you a reward for getting good grades. So when you went from your C minus to your A plus, you got to go to Target and pick out a toy or a prize, right? So you go from C minus to A plus and you get to go to Target. So the Target is on the anode. Wonderful. You did everything that I love, memory techniques. And there's also one more thing you said already. See, like it's a cup. 
on the I think about the no, left the side. Yeah. yeah, the cathode mm-hmm. side, there's a cup. So the electrons get to that target just like that. I think everybody got this. Nobody's going right. to get this wrong in the examination. But should we try some questions just for fun? Sure, sure. All right, all right. So, well, I'm going to read the question. This is what actually April has prepared. So let's try it together. First question, within the X-ray tube, electrons are generated by the, in choice A, tungsten filament in the cathode, B, tungsten filament in the anode, C, oh, you're going to help me here. I don't know either. I say molybdenum. I don't know if that's how the correct pronunciation is. Okay, so this molycop, I'm just going to call it that, D, copper stem. So we're talking about electrons are generated. Keyword, they're generated. What do you think the answer is? And we know this, right? Well, I'm going to let April say the answer and probably the the explanation. Yes, the answer is tungsten filament in the cathode. So you had two options, tungsten filament in the cathode, tungsten filament in the anode. So if you think about the sea of cathode with the little filament there, that's where the electrons are generated. Okay. So if you think about your C minus A plus, that's where electrons are on the cathode. All right. So that word we had trouble with. I'm going to ask Amanda. She's right here, my co-host. We need to hear this. Help us. (laughs) Okay. So any of my students listening know radiography (laughs) is my favorite subject. So yes, I love it. So this is called the molybdenum cup. And it's also known as the, yeah, it's also known as the focusing cup. So on the national board, they could actually use either term, molybdenum cup or focusing cup. Thank you. Molybdenum. Oh, finally. Molybdenum. Finally, we all have it. Thank you, Amanda. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you. This is my favorite topic. I love this. (laughs) And Amanda, you can sit here as well. If just background story, if I'm recording or anything, you know what? Amanda is actually always right there just in case for all of us to run smoothly. So even if you do not hear her sometimes, she's always there for us. All right, the next question is, April, where in the X-ray tube are X-rays produced? Where are the X-rays produced, basically? A, negative cathode, B, positive cathode, C, negative anode, D, positive anode. I'm gonna let our friends think about it for a second. And the answer is... The answer is positive anode. So Mm -hmm. if you get a question about where are x-rays produced, where are the x-rays coming from, all of, think about the, first of all, your C minus to A plus. So first of all, you could eliminate two options there right off the bat because it's got positive cathode, which isn't right, negative anode, which isn't right. So then we got to think about It's not x-rays until it hits the target. So it's not x-rays on the positive anode. You got an A plus, you got to go to target. That's where the x-rays are produced. Prior to that, they're just electrons hanging around in the tube. And then once they hit the anode, they become x-rays. So I've seen questions like that or students have said they had questions about 
where do x-rays come from? Where are they mm. produced? <laughs> going back to our title, going back to our uh, the beginning. <laughs> right, right. I the think the message to that is positive anode. <laughs> yes. Whole, the whole thing. <laughs> it, I think this makes me just want to emphasize for our students that when you read the questions, there's a lot of words coming at you. It's really important to understand what the keyword is. Because here in this last question, it is where the x-rays are produced. They're not asking you where everything start. You know, they're not asking you about the electrons. They're literally asking you about x-rays and produced, right. not prepared or, you know, some other words that can lead you to the other answer. So, and your other question you had, the keyword, I think for me was electrons, that one keyword, and then generated. Where are they generated from? On the mm -hmm. other side, before they turn into an x-ray. So those are the two questions we had for all of you. So you can review a little bit. And then lastly, I mean, I just want to have a quick chat with you, April and Amanda as well, just to give our students some last, some tips about, you know, there are so much going on in the radiology world because they also see case studies, right? If Correct. you had something, I know I'm putting you on the spot right now, such as like, you know, be careful of that or even clinically, you know, in order to be better, you know, you can do this, this and that. Anything, any last word you would like to share? Say my, the tip that I give my students a lot about the case studies and radiology is mm -hmm. that you will have radiographs to interpret. They will ask you questions about, you know, what is what to identify on the radiographs. And I know I, I tell them, uh, you may have a case where they have an arrow pointing at the mental frame and right down below the mandibular premolars and ask you to identify it. It's the mental foramen. Then two cases later, you may have the same exact thing where they have an arrow at the mental foramen and ask you to identify it. And I said, I tell them, don't get mixed up and worried. They asked about mental foramen two cases ago. Maybe it's not mental foramen this time. I always tell them it's mental foramen every time. So don't let, you know, like the mental part of it, you know, yeah. mess with you that you're mm -hmm. thinking, oh, they're trying to trick me. They already asked mental mm -hmm. foramen. They're not going to ask me again. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe they will, you mm -hmm. know, so trust yourself, trust that you know all of this. In, in clinic, you've done a lot of these radiographs. You've taken them You've interpreted so many images that you trust yourself. You know this stuff. They're not trying to trick you. They just want to make sure you know. So it's always mental framing. <laughs> I love it. And there's going to be a lot of questions like that when you're like, it's there to trick me. And then you second guess yourself. Negativity comes in. Exactly. You're going to be wrapped into negativity and then you're going to roll down the hill. So let's not do that. Wonderful. Amanda, any other tip? Yes. To go along with what you just said, Claire, 99.9% .9 of the time, your first answer is the correct answer. Yeah. Don't change your answers. And to kind of go along with one of the questions that we reviewed when we talked about where are the x-rays produced? And we go all the way back to the beginning and the physics and the characteristics of images. The focal spot is also known as the tungsten target on the anode. And that's where the x-rays are actually produced. So to increase our sharpness on an image, we want a smaller focal spot. And that will help you remember that that is where the x-rays are actually produced. The focal mm -hmm. spot, the tungsten target. 
A small one. It's sometimes counterintuitive because you think a big one's going to give me more, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> and this is something that you and I have no control over. It's inside of the x-ray tube head, inside of the x-ray tube. There's nothing we can do about this. Mm-hmm. One other quick tip. When y'all are looking at case studies and you have your radiographs, the first thing I want you to do with your radiographs is make sure they're mounted correctly. Because if they ask you an error for a film, it could be that it's mounted incorrectly. So make sure all of your films are in order, everything is where it should be, and that's going to help you answer the questions appropriately. Wonderful. You're right. I mean, I definitely made some errors like that, just not mounting them properly. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, this was wonderful, ladies, and thank you, April, for preparing all of this, telling us the story of the x-ray. Where do they come from in a format that we can all understand? I think we all learned so much. April, thank you so much again for being here. And today you have a pinning ceremony, right? Yes. Sorry. We have a pinning ceremony later this afternoon for our C31 cohort. So that'll be really exciting. (laughs) Shout out to all of them and shout out to everybody who graduated or who've been graduated for a few years and who are still listening and learning with us. That said, I'm going to let you go. Thank you again. Have a great day. Thank you. Hey, everybody. This is your co-host, Amanda, with a quick announcement. Have you looked at our VIP package yet? This has everything you need to help pass your national board exam. Whether you live in the United States, Canada, or really anywhere, our VIP package has something for everybody. We have recorded lectures, live lectures, curated and calibrated content made just for you to help you pass. Visit us today at studentrdh.com to sign up and for more information. See you next time.